0: Thank you for joining New Life Fellowship Podcast today. We are a church desiring to expand the kingdom of God by making disciples. We pray that this message inspires you, build your faith, and hope that it will give you perspective to see that our God is moving in your life. Hope you enjoyed the message. Good morning, church. Uh, as you can tell, I'm wearing pants today. Um, hopefully, you guys got a kick out of that this week. Um, you know, it was just hopefully you brought your spirits up during this uh, downtime. Uh, well, anyhow, if you're uh, new to New Life, uh, my name is Eric No. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I just have the privilege of bringing you God's Word. Uh, you know, today we're starting in a brand new sermon series, and I love brand new stuff, and I love brand new sermon series. And this sermon series is going to be called Pandemic Playlist. And what we're going to be doing is we're actually going to be studying Psalms uh, over the next seven weeks or so uh, to really help us during this time. Just like how you have a playlist on Spotify or on iTunes. That will help you during a particular season of life. We're gonna to put together a playlist uh, of songs from the Bible and talk about them and teach them to you for the next seven weeks. And our hope is that this sermon series can become a sort of playlist for you uh, during this pandemic season. Uh, and so if you have your Bibles with you, uh, would you turn with me to Psalm chapter 42? Uh, We're going to be looking between the verses of 1 to 11. We'll read the whole chapter there. Uh, I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. Uh, And so if you have that uh, version of the Bible uh, on your apps or on your phones, you can go ahead and turn there with me. Go ahead and rise as we read God's Word together. I'll read it. Uh, I'll pray. And then after the prayer is over, I will seat you. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall praise him, my salvation and my God. as with the deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Our Lord Father, we want to thank you for this amazing piece of scripture. God, we're so thankful for the Psalms. Would your Holy Spirit be with us? Would your Holy Spirit really help us learn, understand, and absorb all of these teachings so that, Lord, we might have joy once again in our lives? Lord, we thank you. We pray this on your son's holy and precious name. Amen. Uh, You can go ahead and be seated right at home. Well, uh, you know, one of my favorite childhood movies of all times is this movie called Hook. And it stars uh, Dustin Hoffman and Robin Williams. Uh, Dustin Hoffman plays Captain Hook and Robin Williams plays the character of Peter Pan. And the reason why I watched this recently was because I wanted my son to actually enjoy the movie just as much as I did when I was a child. However, my, my son throughout the entire movie was just like... Octonauts 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 all he wanted to do is just watch Octonauts so we ended up not watching the entire movie um, but but nonetheless we we watched part of it again And then after he went to uh, sleep, I watched it by myself. Um, But nonetheless, this movie is all about Peter Pan growing up. Uh, Peter Pan grows up. He leaves Neverland. He ends up marrying uh, Wendy's granddaughter. He ends up uh, having two kids. He becomes a high-powered, successful lawyer. And he forgets all about Neverland. He forgets all about becoming Peter Pan until, that is, Captain Hook comes back into his home, uh, abducts his children, and takes them back to Neverland. Uh, He has to then go back to Neverland and re-remember what it was like like to be Peter Pan. And uh, the reason why I'm talking about this is because when I watched this movie as a child, I watched it as a child. But then watching it some 30 years later, um, I, I re-watched this movie not as a child but as a father and so when I was a little kid, I remember watching this movie and enjoying it because of Rufio and the Lost Boys. Uh, Rufio was the leader of the Lost Boys, and I remember pretending to be like Rufio. I remember pretending to be like the Lost Boys, but when I watched it uh, you know thirty years later, uh, I rewatched it as a father of two. And I really recognized and realized that there were so many different aspects of this movie that I had not seen for the first time because I watched it as a child, but now watching it as a father, I saw brand new things. For example, one of the central tenets and themes of the entire movie is that loving your family, appreciating your family is so much more important than becoming successful at your career. Uh, In fact, there was this one piercing scene for me that I watched where Robin Williams is on the phone with his business partner. He's having a very important business conversation. His kids are yelling. His wife is talking over him. His whole family is making an uproar. He can't hear his business partner on the other side of the phone. And all of a sudden, he Busts out. He bursts out in screaming and rant and rage and anger, and he yells at his family. He yells at his kids, and all of a sudden, everyone becomes dead quiet, and he goes back to his conversation on the phone. And the reason why that scene was so piercing for me was because now that I'm a father, I've definitely been frustrated at my kids while, meanwhile, doing important pastor business work. And so, all this to say that uh, as I watch this movie as a father again, uh, I realize so many more important central themes to this movie. And I'm talking about this because I'm so excited for this sermon series. And the reason why is because we get to read the Psalms from a whole new circumstance, from a whole new life circumstance, from a whole new vantage points. You see, the Psalms don't resonate so much for people who are at the top of society, who trust in their own hands, who have lots of power and might. And this is why the Psalms maybe always seem so dull to you. It's because you are a powerful person. The Psalms actually make a whole lot more sense to people who are afraid, to people who feel like the world is falling apart, to people who are lonely, to people who doubt God's goodness. They are written to a people who are essentially powerless. And so here's the good news. Although your life circumstances are falling apart, although your wallet is shrinking, although there are so many other difficult things in your life, um, the, the... This next sermon series, I hope, is going to be incredibly powerful for you because you're going to be able to read the Psalms in a whole new light. And the Bible is going to become so much more alive to you in ways it has never been in the past. And so please do track with us for the next couple of weeks because I think that although your wallets are shrinking, your faith is going to expand. And so let's move into our three points. We have three points for you today as we normally do. Uh, The first point is called the problem of depression and doubt. The second point is called the antidote, um, uh, speaking to yourself. And then our third point is called the cure, uh, which is uh, 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 praise and prayer to God. Okay, so the problem, the antidote, and then the cure. Uh, so let's look at the first point, the problem of uh, depression and doubt. Uh, so look at our Psalm 42 for today. Um, the situation the psalmist was actually facing in this psalm is eerily similar to what we are facing here today. Uh, you see, the psalm was written during the Babylonian exile. Uh, the Babylonians were a major world power. They ended up invading Jerusalem, invading Israel. They uh, enslaved all the people. They destroyed the temple of God. And so the people of God are unable to attend temple together. In other words, they're unable to attend church just like us. And in fact, in verse four, if you look at it, the psalmist is actually reminiscing about how he misses church, about how he misses temple. He says, This, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. And you have to understand, at the very top of this psalm, uh, it says, A mask of the sons of Korah. The sons of Korah were essentially the worship uh, team for the temple, they were the worship band. And so, what the psalmist is saying is, Look, I, I remember when I was a worship team member and I would lead people in prayer and they would throng about and I would lead them in this procession and it was so amazing and awesome to be worshiping with the people of God and I miss that time. You know, it's like last week, I remember during Easter service, my wife turns to me and she says, you know, remember last Easter? Remember when we got to gather as a people of God? And then we started reminiscing together about how we went over to Pastor Kenny's um, mom and dad's house and how they put together this Easter egg hunt for uh, our kids, for their kids, for a few other families' kids and we had this Easter egg hunt and then here at church, we had this great big carnival and that was the first time my son ever got to eat cotton candy. Uh, he went nuts that night. He had a sugar high. He had all this stuff. Uh, and we just started reminiscing about all that, uh, all those times together. In fact, later on, on my own, I started reminiscing about how I missed higher grounds. And when I would walk into church, I would smell freshly brewed coffee. I, I missed uh, seeing our welcoming team greeting me. Uh, I missed uh, worshiping with all the people of God and hearing their voices singing all behind me. Uh, I missed uh, welcoming newcomers. I miss seeing people and giving people warm hugs. And I'm sure for you, uh, you felt the same way, especially as you watch the five-minute countdown. You see all these images of us worshiping together and you start reminiscing about the past. And so this is what the psalmist finds himself doing. He's reminiscing. In addition, they were not only unable to go to church together, but they were simply unable to gather and meet with their closest friends and family member because they were all dispersed all over the Babylonian Empire. Uh, The Babylonian Empire was vast and expansive. They didn't have cars. They didn't have trains. They didn't have Zoom. They didn't have FaceTime. They didn't have phones. And so they lost contact with all of their family members, their loved ones, and their close friends. Moreover, many of them found themselves in unfavorable economic situations. They lost their jobs. They lost their property, either due to confiscation or uh, destruction. In addition, many lost their lives or were severely injured during the Babylonian siege. And so the psalmist, just like us, wonders at the tail end of verse 2. He says this, When shall I come and appear before God? when can I go back to church? When can I go see my friends? When, when can I hang out again? When, when can life go back to normal? Like how long is this going to last? And the thing you have to understand about the Babylonian exile is that it lasted 70 years for them. I mean, it's only been a month, maybe seven weeks for us, but it was 70 years for them. And he's wondering how long, how long Now, in addition to uh, not only their situation being similar, the feelings the psalmist had were also very, very similar to what we are feeling today. See, the psalmist was experiencing deep, deep depression, deep, deep depression to the greatest degree. And I would say this, this was his major emotion throughout this psalm. And so for maybe some of you, you're experiencing anxiety, stress. Some of you are angry. But for many of you, including myself, we're depressed. As we go through this time, Uh, look what he says in verse three. He says, my tears have been my food day and night. And what he's saying is this, look, he's lost his appetite. And the only thing he's able to eat are actually the tears that fall from his face. This word um, in, in verse, if you look at verse five as well, he says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Uh, this word for cast down actually means depressed. Like it's a depression within uh, you know, something. So you see a depression in the sand. So he's saying, look, my soul is depressed. And this word turmoil actually means disturbed. His soul is disturbed. His soul is depressed. And then at the end of verse five, he says this again. My soul is cast down within me. Uh, in verse nine, he says this again. Um, why do I go on mourning? Uh, and as you can see, he's he's depressed. And then at the very end of the psalm, he repeats the phrase in verse five. He says, "Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me?" He's depressed. I'm sure for so many of you, you feel this way as well. Your soul is depressed. Your, your soul is disturbed within you. Feelings of fear, anxiety, and stress have led you down this road of depression. Or perhaps before this pandemic even began, you already were dealing with these feelings of depression and sorrow. And But because of this pandemic, these feelings have become accentuated. They become even worse look in addition to all of this not only was he experiencing depression but one of the main reasons why he was actually feeling depressed was because he doubts god and his goodness in fact i would say that these doubts are what was actually causing his depression in fact the people around his enemies were taunting him most likely the babylonians were saying look where's your god our god conquered your god our god destroyed your god's temple look at your god he's not good he's not powerful our god is and 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 so that's why in verse 7 you you see the psalmist asking deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls all your breakers and your waves have gone over me And what the psalmist is saying is this, if you look at verse one, he says, God, would you give me water like a deer pants for water? But instead he's saying, look, God, instead of giving me water, you've given me these waves. You've given me these waterfalls that are crashing over my head, that are breaking over my head, that are making my life feel like it's chaos. Moreover, if you look at verse nine, he says this to God. Uh, He says, I say to God, my, my rock, why have you forgotten me? In other words, he doesn't feel God anymore. He's not experiencing God anymore. And again, I'm sure for so many of you, you're feeling this way as well. You feel as if God isn't there. How could God allow such tremendous evil? How could God let my business fail? How could God let my job fail? Why is my marriage failing? Why are my kids not getting along? Why are my kids not turning out the way I want? And you're feeling maybe not as if God doesn't exist, but you're feeling as if God is quite distant from you. Look, moreover, on top of all of these feelings of depression and doubt, the psalmist is most likely feeling bouts of loneliness and alienation. As I mentioned before, during this Babylonian exile, all the Jews were dispersed all over the Babylonian empire. They lost their friends. They lost their family members. And if you remember the book of Daniel, in the book of Daniel, this is why Daniel is all alone. Daniel doesn't have any friends. He doesn't have any family. uh, In fact, he's a eunuch. He doesn't have a wife. He doesn't have any of these things. And the reason why is because he was all alone. And so how does the psalmist tell us to handle this? If you look at the very top of the psalm, it says this, to the choir master, a mask and a mask skill in, in, um, is, is a type of instructional song. It's meant to instruct you, meaning this, the psalmist actually wants to teach us how to live during these types of times, and so he gives us really two solutions to this problem of what I would call spiritual depression. And uh, and so that leads us to our second point, the antidote, which is to speak to yourself. And so we're going to cover these two sort of cures, if you would, the, the, the first being found in our Second point, the antidote, and then the final cure being uh, in our third point, uh, the cure. So, let's move on to our our second point, the antidote. Speak to yourself. Uh, look, as I mentioned earlier, what is ultimately causing the psalmist's depression is actually doubt. Uh, the psalmist never doubts God's existence, but He doubts whether or not God is actually good. Whether or not God is actually who he says he is. And so look at what the psalmist does. He actually speaks to himself. He actually counsels himself. Look at verse 5. He says this, why are you cast down, O oh my soul? He he's speaking to his own soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? And then he says this: hoping he tells us so, hoping God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. Uh, this this uh, verse five actually serves as the chorus of this song, and it's repeated throughout the psalm. In fact, if you look at verse eleven, it's repeated there once again. In fact, the psalm. Uh, 42 is one of the few psalms that's actually connected to the psalm right after it. Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 are actually one psalm, but they're separated in this chapter form. But Psalm 42 and 43 are actually one psalm. And in chapter 43, verse 5, the psalmist once again says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you turmoil within me, hoping God for I shall again praise him my salvation and my God? And in fact, you guys will study this in your community groups further about Psalm 43. And so this is the first practical and instructive thing uh, the psalmist actually tells us to do in the face of depression. It is to speak to yourself versus listening to yourself. We spend a whole lot of time listening to ourselves versus actually speaking to ourselves. Uh, Listen to what Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says. Uh, He's a Welsh Protestant Reformed preacher who lived and did ministry in the 20th century. Uh, He writes this book that I absolutely love. It was a sermon series that he gave at Westminster Chapel and was ultimately put together in this book form called Spiritual Depression. And in his very first chapter, in his general considerations, he actually uh, uses this very Psalm to talk about what we're talking about and listen to what he says. Uh, He does something which is more important still. That is the psalmist. The the psalmist does something which is more important still. That is he talks to himself. Uh, Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Most of your unhappiness comes from the fact that you are listening to yourself versus talking to yourself. You listen to the doubts. You listen to the shame. You listen to the fear. You listen to the anxiety versus preaching to yourself the very truths that you know to be true. You don't preach to yourself the fact that Christ loves you. You don't preach to yourself the fact that Christ died for you. You don't preach these things to yourself. Look what he goes on to say. Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake in the morning. You have not originated them, but they start talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday uh, and etc. The main art in the matter of spiritual living is to know how to handle yourself. You have to take yourself in hand. You have to address yourself, preach to yourself, question yourself. You must say to your soul, Why art thou cast down? What business have you to be disquieted? In other words, from the moment you wake up, you begin doubting God. You begin doubting his goodness, his faithfulness, and the voices in your head begin to spin, turn, worry, and stress, and and, and ask you, do you trust God? is God trustworthy? You begin feeling shame and all sorts of these negative thoughts. And Martin Lloyd-Jones says, stop listening to yourself. Start preaching to yourself. Remind yourself of God's faithfulness in, in your life. Remind yourself that he loves you. Remind yourself of his goodness. Remind yourself of the hope you have once again in him. Start speaking to yourself rather than listening to yourself. In fact, Let me take this a little bit further. A lot of you have not only been listening to yourself, but you've been listening to the news more than you listen to God. You let news anchors preach to you. You let their fears and their worries and their anxieties preach to you more than you allow the word of God to preach to you. And here's the thing, negative thoughts, negative voices are so much more clearer and louder in our minds than positive ones. They are so much more clear. You know, very quickly, I remember my very first sermon that I ever preached in my life. I was about 26 years old. Um, you know, this was back in Los Angeles. And the night before, I was so nervous. I, I couldn't sleep. Uh, I, I was writing my sermon all night. Uh, the day comes for me to preach. I get up onto the pulpit and I preach this message. My hands were shaking. I was so nervous. But then I get off the stage and all of a sudden people start coming up to me and they were very encouraging. They were, hey, great job, Eric. Good message. That was superb. Awesome. Awesome. Um, In fact, later on that night, some of my friends had attended that sermon. Uh, We got together and one of my friends was extremely encouraging. He was like, man, you did such an awesome job. Like, I like this point. I like this point you made. I like this point. But then the following day, I go into the church office um, and one of, uh, one of the pastors there comes up to me and he says, man, you did such a great job, but, and that but was a huge but, um, and then he interjects this one criticism, one criticism, wasn't two, wasn't three, wasn't four, just one criticism. He, he injects that one criticism and I kid you not, for the whole week, I could not, think of anything else about my sermon besides that one negative thought. That one negative thought brought me anxiety, brought me fear. Uh, At one point, I was like, man, maybe I shouldn't preach anymore. And isn't it that true of negative thoughts, that they're more clear and loud in our minds rather than the positive ones? You could hear a thousand voices telling you that, that God loves you. You could hear the Bible over and over again telling you that God loves you, that God cares for you, that you can trust in God. Uh, and, and during the season, no matter how much good news the Bible gives you, no matter the, the crucifixion, the resurrection, no matter all these blessings that we have, it doesn't matter that Jesus Christ died on a cross, defeated death. All it matters in your head are those negative voices. And this is why you have to stop yourself at times and speak Jesus's truth over yourself. Now, one might get the impression that uh, the psalmist is maybe not facing reality. He's that guy who's wishfully thinking his way out of things. But, But if you look at the psalm, if you read the psalm very carefully, I actually love what the psalmist is doing here. The psalmist is real and he's honest. He's like, God, why have you forgotten me? He, he basically says, look, I've asked you for a drink of water, but you're beating me up with waves. Uh, and it's so important that you are honest and real with God about your feelings. The Bible gives you permission to lament to God. And this is one of the things that I love about God. He says, look, come to me with all of your emotions and feelings. Don't hide them. Don't try to suppress them. But you know what we do instead? Instead of coming to God and lament, we try to hide our realities by turning to something called Netflix by turning on Tiger King. Uh, We drown out our sorrows by taking substances such as alcohol and drugs. We turn to ice cream and cookies. We turn to other things. We try to hide from this reality, but the Bible tells you confront your reality. In fact, tell God about how much pain you are in. And then it says, preach his love to yourself. Preach to yourself his love over you. Look at verse 5. Uh, he says this at the, towards the end of verse five. He says, my soul is downcast. He's honest. He's, my soul is downcast within me. And then he preaches to himself. He says, therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar." And what he's referencing here is the promised land. Jordan, Hermon, and Mount Mazar are, are all landmarks in the promised land. And is remembering when God delivered them out of Egypt and into the promised land. And he's saying, look, in order to deal with the present circumstances... Uh, and with the, fut- uh, with the future, in order to deal with the present circumstances and with the future, he says you have to remember the past. You have to preach the past to yourself. You have to remember all the things God has done for you. Preach those things to your soul how he saved you out of your life of sin, how he provided for you when you were strapped. Remember all the faithful moments you had with God. And as Christians, we have that one faithful moment we can look back on, which is the cross, which is the resurrection. The cross reminds you of his love and grace, that God has not abandoned you, that God loves you, that this was indeed a true historic event. And on top of that, the resurrection reminds us that God is not only loving, but God also has the power to save you, that God indeed loves you and has the power to save you. And friends, you have to constantly preach and remind your soul over and over again, these truths, these real historic truths. And so this leads us finally to our third point, the cure, which is praise and pray to God. Um, you know, people say that trouble leads people to faith and prayer, and, and that is true sometimes. Um, but here's the sad reality, uh, and, and it's this that yes, people turn to prayer initially. When this whole pandemic, for example, started, I'm sure many of you turned to prayer, many of you turned to your Spotify playlist to praise God, uh, to really uh, work in this, this time of prayer and praise. And I know so many of you did that. But as time passes, so many of you, and I know this to be true, so many of you have turned away from prayer and praise, from a regular daily habit of it, and you've actually stopped. In fact, you've gotten so busy during this unbusy season that you've stopped praying and praising, and no wonder you don't feel the presence of God. No wonder you're doubting. You know, I, I was doing a devotional from Psalm 50 and the, Psalm, the psalmist says this in, a, in verse 50 of, of Psalm chapter 50. Um, he says this, this was a devotional that I did for um, our prayer meeting. He says, and call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Um, And and the reason why, I thought this was so fascinating. Uh, I was thinking like, why does God have to remind people to call upon him in the day of trouble? Don't people naturally do that? Doesn't doesn't that come naturally in some sense? And yet the reason why God has to remind you of all of this stuff is because we actually begin fading away from prayer and praise as trouble begins to persist. God has to remind us to call out to him in times of trouble because, because we forget to pray. But look at what the psalmist does in verse eight. Here's the cure. He says this, by day the Lord commands a steadfast love and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. And he's basically saying this, he reminds himself of the steadfast love all day long. And what the psalmist is essentially saying is, look, from day to night, he prays and he sings about the songs of God. He praises God and he sings and he prays to God. And look, one of the reasons why the psalmist is so depressed is you have to understand what the temple meant to these Jewish people. It was the very presence of God made manifest in the world. And when that was destroyed, it was almost like they had destroyed God itself. The only equivalent I can think of is is this. Imagine uh, if somehow someone managed to get every copy of the Bible and destroy it, and we did not no longer have the Bible. And so this is what the psalmist is experiencing. Even though uh, God's physical presence is not here, he says, I can still remind myself of his love through praise and prayer. Imagine if every Bible got destroyed, uh, the the psalmist is telling us you could still remind yourself of the steadfast love of God because of praise and prayer. Do you understand, friends, that we have something even greater because of Jesus Christ, greater than this psalmist has? Do you understand that That even though the, 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 the psalmist's temple was destroyed, he was still able to understand the steadfast love of God, we actually have something greater than the psalmist did because of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, the gospel tells us that the temple veil was torn in two. And do you understand what that means? It means this, that the temple was built in rings and, and the deeper and deeper you got into the center of the temple, the holier and holier, the more consecrated you had to be. And at the very depths of the temple was this place called the Holy of Holy, which is where the very presence of God resided. It was where the very presence of God was. And in fact, when these high priests, these consecrated high priests would go into the Holy of Holies, they would actually tie a rope around themselves just in case they got struck down dead in the Holy, of holies. They didn't want any other high priest to go in and get struck down dead. And so they had this robe just in case to pull them out, just in case they died. And so what what the Gospels tell us is this, is that when Jesus Christ died, what he did was not only did he defeat sin, but he also destroyed the veil uh, from the Holy of Holies, meaning this, God's presence was unleashed into the world. We didn't have to sacrifice bulls or goats. We didn't need a high priest to enter into the Holy of Holies. Jesus Christ was our high priest, and he brought the Holy of Holies into our world, God's very holiness and presence into the world. And in fact, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he sent to us his very own holy spirit. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19. It says this: Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you are bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Meaning this when you pray, when you praise, you can experience the very presence of God because Jesus Christ died on a cross for you and for me. You can experience the joy of the Lord. If you are feeling depressed, filled with doubt, or lonely, remember that you are. Are not alone. You are not alone. Jesus Christ says that He sends a helper to you. His name is the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit gives you access to the Father and to the Son. He is the Comforter and He is a Helper. All you have to do to access His power is to pray and praise Him. If you pray and you praise Him, you can access the very presence of the Holy Spirit. Friends, we have something greater than this psalmist. We have the Holy Spirit and His power and His comfort is with you. But look, here's the reason why you are still stuck in depression and doubt. It's because you don't thirst for God like a deer pants for water. You don't thirst for God. Look at verse one of the very Psalm. He starts off this way. He says, as a deer pants for flowing streams, So pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Do you desire God? Do you thirst for God? Or are you just waiting for this season to be over? Does your heart long for him? Or does your heart long for just the remedy to your problems? Do you just want God to give you your paycheck? Do you just want God to make sure that you don't have... Or or do you actually long and thirst for God? Look, friends, my, my encouragement and my challenge and my plea to you is to get down on your knees, is to begin praying once again. If you haven't been praying, pray to him. If you haven't been singing praise songs, start that Spotify playlist again. Bring it back up. Do your devotionals. Sing praises to God and experience the very presence of God. Now, look, here's one objection that you might have. Look, Pastor Rick, I I've been trying to pray and praise him, and I just don't feel him. And, and for some of you, that is absolutely true. Some of you have already been praising. Some of you have been praying and you still do not feel the very presence of God. You still doubt him. And here's my answer to that. That's okay. Keep on going. Just because you don't feel him doesn't mean he's not working. Keep on going. Just because you don't feel him doesn't mean that he's not working. And you have to continuously preach this to yourself. You have to continuously preach this truth that even though you don't feel him, he is still working. Let me give you an example of this. And I've uh, perhaps given this example before. But when you're riding inside of an airplane, you don't necessarily feel like you're going 600 miles an hour. Nobody sits on an airplane going, oh my gosh, I'm going 600 miles an hour. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm 30,000 feet in the air. Oh my gosh. Nobody says that. Why? Because you can't actually feel what's happening outside of the plane. Although there is chaos, although there is so much happening outside the airplane, you cannot feel that. You, you just feel like life is normal. You feel like nothing's actually happening inside of the plane. But if you were to simply open up that airplane door, uh, all of a sudden you would feel, uh, I mean, you get sucked out, of course, but, but you would feel absolutely what's happening on the outside. You would feel yourself going 600 miles an hour. You'd feel uh, all this stuff happening. And in some sense, this is what's happening in your faith. Look, the Lord is working around you. In the gospel of John, it says that Jesus is working on your behalf, that Jesus never rests in some sense, although he does in, in creation, he took a rest. In some sense, he says, look, I'm still working. I'm working on your, be- on your behalf. I sit at the right hand of the Father and I'm working on your behalf. Although you can't see it, although you can't feel it, know that I'm still working and that even though you can't feel the presence of God, that does not mean that God is not working in your life. And you have to preach that truth to yourself daily. You have to. Preach that the Holy Spirit is with you and you have to remind yourself of this truth daily. Amen. Let's pray. Our Lord Father, we want to thank you for your truth. God, I know for so many people in this place, they are still experiencing fear, shame, doubt, depression. And God, we pray for them right now, especially for those who are in the valleys, who are in the pits God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would go to them right now and would they feel the very presence of God with them? Would would you let them know that they are not alone? God, would you make your presence so real to them today, Lord? We ask, Lord, that you would walk alongside us, God, that you would give us courage, that you would give us joy once again, joy everlasting. Would you give us peace that is beyond understanding? And Lord, we pray that you would walk with us during this time. And God, we ask that as we emerge, when we do emerge from this situation, Lord, that our faith would be so much stronger, that our faith would have weathered this storm, and Lord, we could come out the other side truly praising and rejoicing your name. Lord, we thank you. We pray this all in your son's holy and precious name. Amen.